two wizards. Two wizards? Two wizards. Two wizards. Um, are you are you a soccer dad? Is that? I, I, yeah, I. Like I think a lot of kids our generation like did the whole youth soccer thing, um, and I, pl- I I was kind of on the team for my first year in high school, but then I burnt out of it. Um, and some of the like upperclassmen they were they're kind of jerks about it. So yeah, I didn't really play a whole bunch of soccer, but I love watching the World Cup. I get super excited about World Cup uh, stuff. Um, yeah, if I can if I can watch some of the like European club games. Um, I'll I'll get into that too. So I'm I'm like I, I enjoy it, and I and I have enough of like passing knowledge of because that's one thing. Like like in in order to like appreciate a sport, you have to kind of understand some of the like fundamentals and like strategy and all that. Um, right. And I have just enough of that, but I'm not like super. Oh, I see they're running a a four 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 two instead of a four three three. Mm, like eh, I'm not I'm not quite as big into that stuff. But yeah. I, okay. I like soccer. Okay. Do you? Are you, are you are you much of a soccer guy or? No, not at all. I don't like sports by and large, but I just I yeah. don't know. Soccer's a lot like baseball for me. I'm sure if you're watching it live, it's cool, but that's also a big yeah. It, 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 that's a fundamental. In fact, uh, in the um, criticizing television class I just taught this last spring, that was a like like our week of talking about televised sports. We we kind of got into some of that, like the difference between watching a game live versus watching it on TV. Um, and they are, they're like totally different things. In, in fact, so, you know, I was talking about this like minor league baseball team we have here. Um, we, I, it didn't get, it didn't like get super viral or anything, but apparently at one of the last home games, um, mm-hmm. like people were just so excited to get back out and to do things in public and to watch sporting stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll have to find this clip and send it to you. Uh, apparently they made like a beer cup snake. So okay. like all of the empty beer cups, they would just stack them together and it would form, you know, like, and, and, and it was, like, so long. It was honestly, like, 50 or 60 feet oh of, like, God. empty beer cups that, like, four or five dudes are parading around to the stands. And they're doing, like, this little snake thing. <laughs> the people are losing their mind. They don't even care about the game anymore. They're just like, ah, beer cup snake, yeah. <laughs> and again, it's like, it's like that kind of the thing. Like, you don't get that watching at home. Or at least I hope you're not making a forty foot long empty beer cup snake at home. In that case, you, you may have a problem. <laughs> but yeah, I'll I'll have oh, to see man. if I can send you a clip yeah. of that because it's funny. Is it again? It's just like a funny little thing that no oh, silly humans that are excited about <laughs> excited about life again. <laughs> Well, speaking of things that go on way too long and are probably better if you're, you know, drunk and at the live recording of, maybe we ought to start this and say, welcome yeah. to Two Wizards Podcast. My name is Mark and I'm a wizard. And my name is Josh and I'm a wizard, uh, expertly handled as, as usual, Mark. <laughs> and and yeah, it's just uh, uh, another great episode here. And, and honestly, th- this was one that um, I know kind of in the past, we usually kind of trade off like preparation duties like you'll kind of take charge of an episode or I'll take charge but this is one that we we've kind of uh, divided and, and conquered uh and I think we're both pretty darn excited about 
this this yeah. topic that we have for our listeners today. So listeners, uh, buckle in, uh, prepare for a treat. And um, you may even want to join us in in finding something for your wizard's chalice. So because um, this is better if you're drinking, just like any type of you know spectator sport. Yeah, like in, like like almost almost anything in life is is improved with a with a little bit of booze. So um, uh, let's see here. Well, actually, Mark, I may kind of start off here. Because um, yeah. I know uh, this was what like back in February. Uh, February, March, like you were kind of on a on a hard seltzer kick for mm-hmm, for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the whole month of March. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, that like migrated eastward. Because uh, I'm I've kind of been in a hard seltzer kick recently, uh, and and so I have a couple of new ones uh, here with me. So this is a uh, fruit smash, fruit smash, <laughs> hard seltzer. Uh, <laughs> fruit smash. If the uh, Hulk were a greengrocer, or um, or oh, what, what's the? I, I keep forgetting the name of this. What's the like yeah. crappy sci-fi with a uh, uh, roll fizzle beef and? Uh, oh, uh, space mutiny. Yes, yeah, space mutiny. Yeah, or yeah, or like space mutiny in a like fruit market. Um, but yeah, fruit fruit smash. Um, and I'm trying to see. Does it does it list the brewer somewhere here? Uh, oh, actually, oh shoot! This is uh, produced for New Belgium out of Fort Collins. So how about that? Oh, cool! It's a, it's a New Belgium thing. I didn't even know. But anyway, so I have with me. Um, I have two flavors, and I'm going to start with the Tropical Punch. Tropical Punch, all right. Made with real mango juice and natural flavors. All right, sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, in my Wizard's Goblet, I have well, number one. We'll just I'm just going to say this now, listeners. Josh, I'm mm-hmm. going to apologize in advance. I got the second round of the COVID vaccine, and it kind of knocked me on my ass. Oh, yeah. And I'm just trying to come back into it. But, Josh, mm-hmm. we didn't record our usual time, so now we're recording this in the morning. And mm-hmm. it's still kind of early for me to justify drinking. Yeah. So, but, 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 to uh, gently segue into that, I am rocking a Bloody Mary made with Tito's <gasps> vodka. Hell yeah, dude. Are, are, so, walk me through your ideal Bloody Mary. Like, is it spicy? Is it horseradishy? Do you have a bunch of veggies? Do you have a bunch of bacon? Do you not have it? Well, like, what's your what's your dream Bloody Mary? I am honestly such a bare bones basic bitch about it. No, that's that's I fine. Like, I I really just like uh, V8 juice, mm-hmm. uh, a bit of Worcestershire, and then like salt and pepper on the top. That 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 works, man. If if it works, I for don't. You... I'm not really big into the hot sauce. I don't. I've had a spicy, and that's fine. But mm-hmm. I think I've said before, I'm kind of a pussy cat when it comes to uh, spicy food to begin with. So yeah, yeah. I do prefer a little spicier and even specifically like black pepper because, um, mm-hmm. you know, like some Tabasco or some Frank's Red Hot or whatever. Like, yeah, that, that's fine. But also, yeah, like kind of a peppery, um, uh, spicy Bloody Mary. And yeah, like I, I, I like some things in it, like celery stick. I, as we've talked about before, I'm a I'm a sucker for olives. So I don't know if I mm-hmm. could have too many olives in a in a Bloody Mary. Um Maybe once in a while, like a like a piece of bacon, you know. I I know it's sometimes kind of popular, but I've I've seen these things. I'm sure you have too. On like Reddit, people will post pictures where it's like, "Here's the drunk aunt Bloody Mary with, and it's in a punch bowl, and it's got a slice of pizza and uh, yeah. cheeseburger sliders." It's just like, come on, guys. Deep fried Bloody Mary. Yeah. <laughs> This is my deconstructed Bloody Mary. It's yeah. essentially a pizza, but I yeah. put a lot of booze in the sauce. Here's here's all your favorite bar foods in a mixing bowl with tomato juice and Tito's. Yeah, that that that's oh, just God. that's just overkill. Um, 
But um, but yeah, no, no, well, great. Well, it was, and, and in that case, it, it is. It's like the noon hour for me currently, and I know you're, you know, a couple hours behind. But I think a Bloody Mary's perfect. And with that note, I'll I'll uh, dive into mine. Yeah. There we go. And and, and cheers. Good on you. Cheers, buddy. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a tropical punch. That's pretty good. That's pretty. Oh yeah. There's there's the mango. There's definitely the mango. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, Marks, we, we, we got our beverages, uh, and so Hell what yeah. is it, what is it, what's our topic today, what, what is it that we're talking about, that we both have some things prepared? Well, uh, I guess we're, we're, we're gonna get into it, it's, we're gonna talk about bugs, Josh, and when we were talking about doing this episode, we didn't really decide to define it or relegate it to, like, literally any one cohesive topic, mm-hmm. but we both just kind of gave each other the blessing of, alright, go west, young man, and conquer your... <laughs> conquer your topic and i think i think we did a pretty solid job i don't know what you've got you don't know what i've got right but yeah how do you want to how do you want to do this you want to start with like do you have a favorite bug or what do you think yeah i think that's a great place to start and it's almost like we're getting the best of both worlds like we like we both have our little sections that we prepared um but then we're also kind of we'll be flying blind with the with the other when when he's giving his stuff. So so yeah, this I think this is, this is great. Um, yeah, I think I think favorite bugs is a, is a good place to start just to kind of break the ice, as it were. Um, I I think I, I I I've only I think I can count on my hand the number of times I've actually seen one of these. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, mantises, mantids, praying mantis, those are cool. Those are just yes. cool. They're they're just super cool. they're super cool. You just the they're, they're they're just so like angular and sleek and uh, lightning strike. And they'll catch a wasp and like bite its head off. Um, so yeah, mantis mantises are pretty pretty darn cool. Pretty darn mantises cool. are pretty sweet. That was that's on my short list of awesome ones. Okay, yeah. I uh, let's see here. Is there another? Um, uh, we get some of these around here in the Midwest, and I know they're less. Uh, frequent in uh colorado and the rocky mountains and all that uh but even like lightning bugs or fireflies whatever oh yeah whatever regional term you give it um yeah those are pretty cool too and and honestly it's probably about the tide it's it's warming up enough um in the summer evenings um they'll just do their little glow glow bug thing glow glow bug things there was one night again a nice warm uh summer evening uh, in the backyard we uh the, the mrs wizard and i saw some of them going off and so we grabbed our 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 cats we grabbed our cats and took them out to the backyard to see if they could just have their minds blown by by lightning bugs. <laughs> were but, were they and did they or yes whatever yeah yeah, yeah. like it kind of took a while because because the, the cats really like their outside they're mostly indoor cats but every once in a while we'll spoil them and give them time in the yard. <laughs> So like, of course, for like the one first... hour a day, yard time. Exactly. Do not look to your left or right. <laughs> exactly. And so after they got through the initial five minutes of like, oh boy, we're outside, and then they finally like glimpsed these things. Yeah, they were hooked. They were like, what in the world is good? Because you know, cats like laser pointers anyway. Right. And so here's a laser pointer that's flying around, and they can actually catch this time. They 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 weren't like jumping after them or anything like that, but um. But yeah, they're they're magical. They're magical, glowing, flying bugs. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty neat. I think they're pretty neat. So what mostly are some of yours? because I can't glow, you know. Like, right? Yeah, yeah. Things things that you can't do, you, but you can still appreciate in like nature's majesty. Yeah. Yeah, I really like beetles. I've got a soft spot for them. I think yeah. they're cool. I am a huge fan of like the Goliath and the rhinoceros beetle. Yeah. Just, 
these little walking tanks of a bug, and they're crazy strong. And what is it to 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 equiv- to be the equivalent strength of a rhinoceros beetle? You would have to like be able to tow three city buses with your teeth or something yeah. insane. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how powerful these little guys are, and I think they're great. And bonus points, they have little furry feet, and something about that, I, I just think it's so cute. I don't know. I know that's real weird, but. It's yeah. If you ever look at a rhinoceros beetle's feet, they're kind of furry, and they have like it almost looks like a little cat's paw with the little toe pads and the mm-hmm. fuzz in between. And I, I don't know. <laughs> it would be like if the world's strongest man competition um, occurred, but all the competitors wore like fuzzy slippers. Yeah, and that's sponsored it, by UGG. Yeah, sponsored by and and yeah. To your point too, they they just um, I, I can see I can see a lot of that. Like just super tough, super strong. Just put their little beetle heads down and say, all right, God damn it, I got to move this pebble. And like, off they go. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I like moths sometimes. Mm. I think they're neat. I think like the Atlas moth is cool. Miller moths suck. The big like Atlas moth, the mm. with, and it looks like it has you know the fake snake heads. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I think I mean there's a lot of and I guess maybe we could also preface this toward, towards the beginning, um, listeners. If you, I I don't think either of us necessarily will get like into super squeamish territory. But if you're a little kind of squeamish, if like even talking about bugs kind of sets you off, it that's okay. Like we're not judging. Um, but uh, but but yeah, just kind of be forewarned that we're going to be talking about. Lots of creepy crawly bugs and all that. Um, and like to that point, I, I think moths are one of the more polarizing. Like there are people who just hate moths. Like like my sister, she hates moths. She gets just, and it's something about like the little powder on their wings or like she just hate. <laughs> and so anytime, oh, yeah. and so like growing up, um, anytime there's a moth would get into the house or something, she would, she would lose her shit and then my brother or I would have to kind of like scoop it outside. Um, but yeah, moths, yeah, people, they either get really fascinated with the mystery and the beauty and the mystique, or they're like, get that motherfucker out of here. <laughs> but My I like My great moths. grandmother used to pick up her vacuum cleaner and vacuum them out of the um, <laughs> drapes. Now, mind you, this isn't like 1960 when vacuum cleaners weighed a metric ton. And this, right. this wee tiny Irish woman was just like, oh, I'm coming for you fuckers. And she's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, it's and, and again i i can't you know we all get weirdly or strangely hung up on things so i'm not going to tell you that you don't have any justification for hating moths but it is it's just part of a thing that <laughs> where do you fall on spiders i i can dig spiders um i, I so when we were um when i was little little uh, and I don't, I don't know if I've actually mentioned this on the podcast before, uh, for as much as I talk about, you know, growing up in Colorado and all that, uh, I was actually born in mm-hmm. Southern California. Um, and I lived there until I was five and then my family moved, moved back to Colorado. That's where my folks were from. Um, and so, yeah, like growing up in California, um, we had to be, there was sort of like a little kind of PSA about, oh, be careful about black widows or, and, and yeah, like generally, yeah. I'm like, okay, they're catching all the mosquitoes and flies and other stuff, and I can leave them alone. But then, unfortunately, sometimes if it's like, oh, you're dangling down from the ceiling fan um, in in the living room, well, it's it's it, it's outside for you. I, I I almost always try to just like throw them outside instead of just smushing them. But then sometimes 
uh, I do end up smushing him. But no, I can, I can, I can respect spiders. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like spiders. I think they're neat. Mm-hmm. I, I have a really soft spot for the jumping spider. I think okay. <laughs> I, it's weird. I just I think they're adorable. I, I'm sure you've seen mm-hmm. the videos on Reddit where they put the mirror next to the one and it starts doing oh, a yeah. dance for itself. And I just <laughs> go go get it, little buddy. Like yeah, yeah. Well, and you even mentioned this too with, with the Beatles, and, and now again with the jumping spider. It's it's also really funny to think about. Yeah, the the like comparative feats of either strength or speed or jumping ability for for a human to have the equivalent strength of a beetle or to jump as far as a spider or or a flea or something like that. It is you, you, like you'd be able to jump like a hundred feet in the air or something like that, and that's just fun to think about. It's fun to think about that too. Like yeah, yeah, how, absolutely. How, how cool would it be to be a spider and just like bounce around off of the planes? <laughs> I got a weird one for you. It's it's weird that you okay. brought that up, but I just yeah. um, so I was um, uh, camel spiders, uh, solifuges. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So in their front mouth parts, they have these things called a uh, pedipalps, and they're basically like extendable jaws, mm-hmm. like s- extendable singular pinchers. Like think like the Geiger aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so they can use those to climb walls, like. Just that's with awesome. those, so that so basically, just to contextualize that, that's you climbing up a building with your lips. Yeah. <laughs> I went down a weird camel spider hole, and now I think they're 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 terrifying, but it's only because mm-hmm. like we're not used to. Them, I think. Right. Yeah. It, well, and, and I think that's part of it too. That I think that's part of the fascination is, uh, yeah, they are just these strange, odd little things that have these what to us would be like superpowers like super strength or climbing up walls or flying even like even ants, that's just ants shoot acid like yeah they're even yeah or the bombardier beetle that will like spray this like yeah. caustic explosive uh, substance in your face if you're like a mouse trying to eat it or whatever um and, and yeah and, and, and that's where of course i mean that's i think the appeal of like spider-man and that's the appeal of um well, maybe not the fly. That's that's not appealing at all. It's, it's, no, there's nothing good about that. Yeah, that's but. the opposite. That's the opposite of appealing there. But it is. It's like one of, and and even all right. Here, here it is again, going into the ancient Greek stuff. And I wasn't even planning on it. Do it. Just do it. Um. Yeah. Like even like ancient Greek. So like um, Achilles in the Trojan War, his band of kind of warriors. Um. Uh. They're the Myrmidons. Mm-hmm. And we think the etymology of that is uh, for this Greek word, uh, myrmex, which means ant. Yep. And so they're like little scurrying, fast, speedy guys. And so like there's the myrmidons, um, that that kind of captures the early Greek imagination. Um, There's all sorts of um, these shields that we have from battle. So like actual shields. And like in the like center, instead of like a fierce like gorgon's head or a a lambda for your... um, region there there would be just like a little fly and the idea being like you were badass enough that you would like get close enough to your enemy that they could see that there's this little painted fly on your hoplon before you stabbed them uh well and and even like samurai like samurai get get horned up for insects on their like battle gear they'll have like the giant beetle helmets or like ant helmets and stuff yeah the kabuto yeah yeah they get they get horned up too for um kind of kind of insects and like drawing inspiration from yeah, these industrious, uh, strong, strong little critters. <laughs> They're no, it is crazy. Like, 
I mean, what the 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 central the central um what do you call that the central one of the central images in Egyptian mythology is the the sun passing across the sky and that was represented in the dung beetle like yeah yeah here's yeah, this little scarabs. here's this little guy yeah just like pushing this big old ball of poo across the desert yeah. you're like wow <laughs> that must be exactly what God is right yeah, yeah totally cool <laughs> well and the the idea of that too right uh, here's this little critter in the desert doing what it can to survive trying to get some like moisture and all that and if that means uh rolling up balls of poo and like shoveling them around here and there which also think about how crazy that would be like like we've already talked about all the strange things that that bugs do and then just just to like watch watch a dung beetle watch a scarab form up a ball of like cow shit and then, like, scoot it backwards up a hill. It's like, all right, buddy, get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, um, I, I think. And I, you think your job is bad. Yeah. yeah. Eh, it's a living. <laughs> um, well, well, well. Here's here's a here's one one little kind of factoid that I think will will kind of get us into maybe the things that we have prepared here. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah. I'm. I'm just and, and I was I remembered hearing this figure and I wanted to track it down to make sure I got it right. So I'm I'm looking at the um, Smithsonian Magazine uh, website, and this is an article uh, by Jason Daly from May 2018. And, uh, and 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 I know this probably won't come as a surprise to you, Mark, but may and maybe to some of our listeners, they already know it. Uh, but but estimates of the of the biomass and what biomass is is it's basically just like the the amount of carbon that are in life forms on earth um so and, and i know this kind of sounds weird to frame it like this but like quote unquote the dry weight <laughs> so so like the dry weight of all the like living things on earth right um, it's it's estimated uh at like 550 gigatons okay. of like of like just the carbon uh the vast majority of that like 450 uh is plants um uh, animals comprise about two gigatons of biomass, and half of that are what you could consider insects. Oh, so, like half of the biomass of animals is insects. <laughs> That's um, insane. Yeah, and humans, by comparison, at least according to this uh, Smithsonian uh, graphic here, humans make up about 0.06 gigatons <laughs> so it's roughly yeah you can take one divided by 0. 0.06 um so we are at least like just like pure weight we are vastly outnumbered um by insects God, like it's it, it's like I, I thought i saw somewhere um yeah it's like for every one pound of human being there's like 300 pounds of insects. <laughs> All right, let's do some quick math. Let's do some quick math here. Yeah. <laughs> quick math on two wizards podcast and we don't see often. Thank God. All right, give me those numbers again. Uh, one pound of human is equal to what? To, to roughly 300 pounds of insects. I, at my super svelte 205 pounds, am equal to 61,500 pounds of bug. Yeah. Yeah. So like for, for like the average person or 30 tons of bug, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> and, 
And so there's all those kind of like thought experiments about like, uh, would you able to, would you rather fight one horse sized duck or 10 duck sized horses? Like all that kind of stuff. Um, when it gets to like fighting bugs, like if we actually had a, um, uh, oh shit, I just lost the movie. Um, what you got? Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, no, uh, Mysterious well, Island. No, no, the, um, uh, Starship Troopers. Well, yeah, and so, like, we don't even have to, like, go to outer space to, like, engage in a, like, gruesome battle with bugs. Like, that. that's right here on Earth. Um, if, if somehow, like, a genie, like, snapped his fingers and all of the bugs, like, gained sapience and they're like, hey, let's take this shit over. Like, we're, we're totally screwed. We're totally screwed. Um. <laughs> I don't think, so. well, not to, like, nitpick at it, but real quick. Like, I don't know if we'd be totally screwed. Figure, like, an ant colony is so affected because they don't have an idea of individuality. They mm-hmm. just have that sort of, like, the greater good hive mind ideal or whatever it is. Yeah. But if, like, they gained intelligence, then when they have concept of, like, self, and then they just fall apart. I I, I, I guess that is a fair point. Like, unless there was no, something... I mean, I, I know that I'm totally being a dick about it, but... No, no, no. No, no, but, but that's just it, too. And I think that would be, that would be our saving grace is, like, we have... We we have invented things like napalm and um, laser beams, so that so that we so that if push came to shove, maybe sort of a quality over quantity kind of thing. Um, but, 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 the, but but then again, but so so Mark, do you think? And also like some again more rough math here. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you would be responsible going off those numbers you just gave. You would be responsible for annihilating at a minimum to like pull your fair share a minimum of like three tons of bugs um well that wouldn't that wouldn't that would only be a tenth of my like i guess you'd call it my carbon bug footprint right (laughs) at 30.75 tons like right yeah yeah shit dude no i don't and i yeah i guess if i had to distribute that up i don't know 100 oh god i don't even know yeah. All right, if you're fighting, you got to... Okay, I don't know. Think about that. <laughs> Think about what you're going to fight and how you're going to break it down. We'll talk about it at the end of the show. Okay, okay, great. great, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, 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 so, and so as those ideas are kind of like percolating in the back here, maybe, maybe we can kind of like trade off some of the, some of the stuff that we have, um, that we kind of prepared here. So I have a couple things. It sounds like you have a couple of things too. Yeah, so Crash Course and Insects, they first appeared um, as arthropods uh, 542 million years ago. Josh, we've talked before about the Cambrian explosion, Mm -hmm. and that was sort of when evolution just went insane and everything appeared on Earth, like, for the first time. Mm -hmm, And you mm -hmm. get, and the most, um, the the easiest example of this is in trilobites. Right, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm a real nerd for trilobites. I think they're cool. There's Mm -hmm. hundreds of different species. We're still finding hundreds of different species. They can preserve super well, and through those we also kind of get an understanding of how our eyes evolved because trilobite eyes are made up right. of mineral, mm-hmm. and those minerals could, um, I forget how it works, I want to say it's quartz, and quartz can absorb certain light, and yeah. so they had quartz-heavy eyeballs, and I think that is just so cool. <laughs> that is, that's super cool. Like the very, very first, it was the, like, ah, that's crazy to me. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and, and like tracing the evolution of these bugs, like, like even if, even if they've like split off it, uh, from different, what would that be, phyla, or maybe class? Yeah, phyla. But yeah. but but still, like it's 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 comparable enough that we can see 
we, we, we can trace like the development of things like compound eyes and um, yeah, yeah. All, all yeah. Of that stuff, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, I, I, I'm a big nerd for the fossil record, and yeah, the legless fishes, and ah, oh, fuck yourself. Anyway, <laughs> so moving on uh, to the Silurian and the Devonian, we saw the rise of Eurypterids, which were bigger things, and mind you, this was all when all life on Earth was, or a lot of life on Earth was concentrated in the oceans, mm-hmm. and this is where you get a thing called sea scorpions. They weren't sea scorpions, or they weren't scorpions, but they look like it. They have a set of forward-facing claws. They've got a long tail with a stinger that comes off the back. And why they're important is because these uh, Eurypterids have the mouth parts, have the same type of mouth parts, the pedipalps, that the um, solifuges do, and scorpions, and any other horror mouth that you can imagine in the insect <laughs> kingdom. It came from these. Yeah. And well, real quick, the largest one was something called a Jacolopterus. It was eight feet long. Holy cow. That's Just imagine that. Well, that actually brings up a point that I was that I was trying to find a way to like um, uh, to to raise this, but but I think but I think you, you just gave me that odd opportunity because because you were talking about arthropods and that does include yes. things and that does include things not only like insects but also things like spiders and and even things like crustaceans, uh, shrimp and yep. lobster and stuff. And so, are uh, in your mind. Do things like crabs and lobsters um, do are are those also kind of counted as insects or kind of or maybe they're cousins? What would you think? In my like, it's weird. In my scientific brain, no, absolutely, they're just bugs. Like, yeah, yeah, that's all a lobster is is a bug. Like they call crawdads mud bugs, and they, they are. Yeah. They're just a larger bug that exists in an aquatic environment and there's better they can grow a little bit bigger than like the land ones but yeah they are but then the other half of me goes no your favorite food is shrimp and you're not gonna eat a swarm of bugs like you know what i mean yeah and i don't know what the big damn deal is like when i was a kid i ate grasshoppers on dares all the time grasshoppers (laughs) and ants i don't well well, yeah well people still do and that never bothered me and they didn't Mm -hmm. taste bad i've heard that like what is it roasted locust or delicious or something no it, and that's like a that's like a generations long delicacy of like oh yeah we'll just like catch it because if you have your grain field or whatever and you're attracting locusts and grasshoppers and all that not only are one you kind of protecting your your farmland but two if you're gathering all these and let them like dry roast in the sun or like roast them over a fire throw a little paprika on there yeah you're good to go yeah and, and so yeah I, I think some people i think some people do get like hyper freaked out about you're not gonna make me eat bugs um <laughs> and like one overlooking the fact that if you if you've had any kind of like packaged good within the last 10 years you know that bug parts have gotten in there and it's okay it's fine like you've yeah. actually you've accidentally eaten like ants with your bowl of uh fruit loops or whatever like it that's it you just have to like accept that um and then two, if i can't see him i'm fine with it ex- right right out of sight out of mind almost um i'll never forget eating a bowl of mini wheats though and it had gotten weevils in it and i was like ooh. why is my milk dancing <laughs> i was like six it messed me up for a while there <laughs> That could have been disastrous. I was just about to take a sip of my, oh, my shit. fruit punch here, and it would have splattered all over the place. But I crisis averted, disaster narrowly dodged. 
why is my milk dancing? Um, oh god! And, and so and, and so it is. It's so like I'm, I, I'm not. Or, or or you also mentioned like ants too. Like yeah, like there, there's a whole other thing about like um. So so, so it is. It, it is. It's sort of like this idea of being purist about what kind of foods you're eating and all that it's like you're just kidding yourself you're just kidding yourself you already eat shrimp you already eat lobster you already eat crab it's not it's not that far away removed from arthropods because that's what they all are that's what they all are but uh, but but anyway sorry i I didn't mean to like no no you're fine us too much no no not at all one final point i want to bring up and this is my god i think this might be one of my favorite times in in earth history and it's the carboniferous. Try that again. Trying to sound like a dumbass. The Carboniferous period. It uh, it occurred. Um, so it ran from 358 million to 298 million years ago. And think of this time as when there was a ton of oxygen in the Earth's atmosphere. There's mm-hmm. trees everywhere. It's all rainforest. It's all primeval. But what that did, Josh, was give way to the rise of mega bugs. Yeah. Yeah, so you have something yeah. called like Meganeura, which was a three foot long dragonfly, or Arthropleura, which was a twelve foot long uh, millipede. Yeah, that's it, well, because because yeah. part of it too is like, isn't it something where like uh, insects, like they don't have lungs, and so they kind of like respire through their shells or something like that, and so in this oxygen rich environment, they they they're they're able to incorporate more of that and so thus they kind of grow bigger isn't that kind of yeah. the, the idea behind it yeah they breathe through holes called sphericals and then okay. air passes through the sphericals into a thing called book lungs and that's how they kind of um aspirate i thought i remembered on like it went a couple years ago just kind of going down this this rabbit hole wasn't it something too where like maybe the atmospheric pressure was a little bigger too and I, I, I wanted to say there was something along the lines of like, so not only was there more oxygen, but maybe greater atmospheric pressure kind of like, yeah, just like forced more oxygen in. Like it's, it's yeah, sort of that so. passive kind of thing. And so then even so like double, double the benefit of um, uh, uh, factors that would go on to create giant insects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this How? is also like the precursor to when life on Earth was about. So this was right before the Permian extinction, which killed like ninety six percent of life. And right. then from that, you get into the um, you get into like the rise of the dinosaurs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like sixty five cool million years later. But yeah, like how cool would that be to still have like three foot long dragonflies? And, and and actually going back um, to like to like favorite bugs, like dragonflies are also they're badass. Dragonflies are well, awesome. Well, it's it's really funny you mentioned <gasps> that. Because that's going to come up a little bit later, Josh. Uh-oh. Well, then Uh-oh. I'll I'll just put a little pin in, into that, and we can we can we can we can return to that at some point. So yeah. okay, awesome. Yeah, but so that's that's crash course in in just like the very the the way way back of mm-hmm. bugs. Really, I think they hit their like super cool point, like I was saying in the Carboniferous. But then again, if I saw an eight foot long millipede, I would shit myself until I died. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which. Is, I'm even kind of getting flashbacks to our um, uh, giant snakes episode where it's like, this would be super cool to like see or witness. Um, they probably also smelled terrible, <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah. but yeah, like, yeah. Face to face without like a tempered glass barrier in between me and this thing. I would, I, yeah, I would thoroughly even be, with be the tempered glass barrier, yeah. man, I don't need it. <laughs> 
<laughs> no thank you no thank you no thank you um <laughs> yeah that's too funny one of the things that i could talk about uh sort of briefly is um and i even kind of alluded to this a little bit too is um yeah uh, uh uh bugs have not only had a long history but they but there's also been a long history of yeah like humans fascinated with bugs and bugs appear like in all sorts of literature going all the way back um but but even like um one that i maybe want to spend a little time on is um there's a there's a bunch of um uh, uh aesop's fables that are about bugs or ants or all that stuff and and they're and they're just fun. Um, of, of course, I think one of the themes, or, or maybe several of the themes that come out of uh, some of these ones with bugs is, um, yeah, like the industriousness, like we kind of talked about, like, like working hard. And of course, we have the fable of the ant and the grasshopper, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that's, that's a very famous one. You know, saving away in, in, in times of plenty, saving away for like times of hardship and all that. That's one that there's a bunch... Um, well, and then this is this is kind of a funny one too. It's also the sort of like so not only the industrious part, but also the sort of like dynamite comes in small packages or like mm-hmm. don't judge. And one in particular um, that that's more on that on that theme is uh, the eagle and the beetle. Talking about beetles, like before. Do, do do you know this one? I do not. Okay. Well, like so many of Aesop's fables, it's nice and short. And so and so maybe I'll just kind of go through this real quick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this is Aesop's fable, uh, the eagle and the beetle, uh, and it says, um, a hare, that is to say, a rabbit, uh, was being pursued by an eagle, uh, and took himself for refuge to the nest of a beetle, whom he entreated to save him. The beetle therefore interceded with the eagle, begging him not to kill the poor suppliant, and pleaded with him by mighty Jupiter not to break the laws of hospitality because he was so small an animal. But the eagle, in wrath, gave the beetle a flap of its wing and straightway seized upon the hare and devoured him. And as we've also mm-hmm. talked about, like, hospitality was a big, big thing. Like, hey, yeah. this, is, this is a guest in my house. You'll, you'll, you'll treat him properly and all that. When the eagle flew away, the beetle flew after him to learn where his nest was. Getting into the nest, the beetle rolled the eagle's eggs out of it one by one and broke them. So, again, kind of like the, like the dung beetle, sort of like backwards shimmies with his butt and... Uh, knocks all the eagle's eggs out out of the nest. Um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'll show you. You violated my guest right. I'll kill your kids. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me, but yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, and so so the beetle got his revenge. Um, and and the eagle, grieved and enraged to think that anyone should attempt so audacious a thing, built his nest built his nest the next time in a higher place. But there, too, the beetle got at it again and served him in the same manner as before. Upon this, the eagle, being at a loss what to do, flew up to Jupiter, his lord and king, because the eagle was like sort of Zeus slash Jupiter's like patron animal or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, uh, and and placed the third brood of eggs as a sacred sacred deposit in his lap, begging him to guard them for, for him. But the beetle, having made a little ball of dirt, flew up with it and dropped it in Zeus's lap, who rising on a su- who rising up on a sudden to shake it off and forgetting the eggs threw them down and were there again broken. <laughs> so this beetle is like out for blood. Um, this is these are like three three separate uh, uh, broods that he spoiled. And again, think how clever this is. It's like oh, if I drop this little ball of shit in uh, Zeus's lap, 
He'll like stand up to clear it off and then all the eggs will fall down. Um, <laughs> and so, and so uh, th- th- that just happens. And then uh, uh, it says, Jupiter being informed by the beetle that he had done this to be revenged upon the eagle who had not only wronged him, but had, hack- but had acted in, uh, in- impiously towards uh, Jove himself, told the eagle when he came to him that the beetle was the aggrieved party and that he complained not without reason. Because one of uh, Zeus's kind of epithets or um, um, uh, names is uh, Zeus Xenios, like Zeus of like hospitality towards guests. Um, oh, okay. And, and and so yeah, like that. So like you would kind of swear to Zeus, like, hey, can I stay the night at your house and I'll follow all these guest rights? Um, and then the host would be like, yes, and you'll follow all these guest rights too, and so on and so on. And so uh, yeah, the beetle said, look, this eagle uh, violated the guest rights, and so I'm I'm just. And, and you're even the god of like hospitality, Zeus. So really, I'm doing you a solid here. Um, and uh, and so uh, I'm doing you a favor, buddy. Yeah, like hey, look, I'm I'm just upholding your your kind of um, um, area of influence. However, this has to stop at some point. Mm-hmm. And so Zeus says, uh, being unwilling that the race of eagles should be diminished, he advised the beetle to come to peace with the eagle. As the beetle would not agree to this, Jupiter uh, transferred the eagle's breeding to another season where there are no beetles to be seen. And so also a lot of times these Aesop's fables are are kind of like aetiological, just so stories like this. And this is why eagles only have their eggs during this season, because it's not during the beetles or whatever. Right. Uh, and so I always think that's funny. Like, that's their backwards way of, and this is why they don't yeah. lay eggs now, because beetles are dicks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, like so many Aesop's fables, it ends in a nice little, like, moral of the story here. And the moral to this story is, no one can slight the laws of hospitality with impunity. There is no station or influence, however powerful, that can protect the oppressor, in the end, from the vengeance of the oppressed. So also maybe a little bit of like a Marxist or a proto-Marxist twist. <laughs> twist to the hashtag story. 2021. Yeah. Hashtag. Eat um, the rich. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So roll so the riches babies out of their nests. Right. And that's, that's kind of what it is until eventually Zeus intervenes and says, okay, stop that. That's enough of that. That, that stop. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah. And why so, is Zeus British? I don't care, but yeah, well, I, I guess I was kind of channeling like the Terry Gilliam, um, like God from, um, um, Monty Python and the, the Holy Grail. No, it's cool. I like to think that he is just British and yeah. all of his knock it off. That's annoying or whatever. Um, and, and yeah, like I said, there's, there's so many Aesop's fables stories with various bugs in it that, that I think mentioning the ant and the grasshopper and this one the eagle and the beetle i think that's probably good that's probably good for for the time yeah. being. but um <laughs> also i learned not to fuck with beetles because holy cow like <laughs> aren't they cool i think beetles yeah, are so neat they are they're super awesome and, and they are they're, they're just like the like the like nose to the grindstone like all right god damn it it's it's time to do and, and yeah they're just they're just determined and once they put their mind to something they'll they'll just keep going and um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. May, may i go off on a beetly tangent real quick P- please i i would like nothing more i'd like nothing more awesome awesome 
um, in my research, because like I said, I, wa- I, I don't know if I said this or not, I watched a shitload of like YouTube videos. This has been a really fun week for me because mm-hmm. I just kind of crash coursed a bunch of dumb shit and bugs, and it's been great. <laughs> yeah. But one thing I learned, uh, Josh, I have a new prevailing theory. Actually, it's reinforcing an old prevailing theory. Okay. If you remember back to when the polls had shifted and you and I were two hobbits, we di- talked about uh, mushrooms and how mushrooms are the dominating force of life on the planet, mm-hmm. how they control everything, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I found this uh, really weird team up between beetles and mushrooms, and it is such that beetles love to eat plants. So they, they have a hard time digesting the plant fibers. Yeah. So what they do is they cover themselves in a certain type of mushroom that lives in, or they don't cover it. They absorb a certain type of fungus and it lives in like, I guess just underneath their plates or something gross. It's just inside of there. Mm. And then they drill a little hole into the plant dump out the mushroom goo and then these mushrooms break the plant down from the inside out and then the beetles suck it out see that's yeah that's well and, it's, and, it's a weird symbiotic relationship between beetles and fungus mm-hmm. once again mushrooms are here they've got the beetles already like god help us if the mushrooms and the ants get together because it's all <laughs> over man like game over we're well, done and, and and i even uh i even recall from that gardening episode that, that yeah there's there's even that like um certain species of ants who like does a similar thing they like grow they essentially grow like mushroom fields um by like bringing in uh plant material that the the ants can't digest but they kind of like chew it up a little bit and then spit it out uh that then the mushrooms can kind of um yeah uh, digest and then the ants eat the mushroom so it is it, it it's it's this whole thing about um we like to credit ourselves or like oh yeah human civilization uh flourished when we first learned the when we first discovered the secrets of agriculture and we could harness the power of like mother nature and plant it's like bitch ants and beetles have been doing that for millions of years already like get off your high horse <laughs> So I, okay, so taking a sharp turn into ants really quick. Do you okay. mind? No, not at all. There is a species of ant in the Amazon rainforest called Myrmachista shumani, mm-hmm. and they do this thing called growing a devil's garden, where they choke out indigenous plant life by growing their own type of tree that they like. <laughs> Which devil's gardens can reach up to sizes of six hundred trees, but they are inhabited by a single colony of ants. These colonies of ants contain up to 3 million workers and up to 15,000 queens. I mean, tell me, tell me how that's like any fundamentally different from slash and burn. It's not. Literally, yeah. They just, they just, um, they, they, they just cultivate conditions for this one type of tree. Yeah. And these ants love this tree and they just grow this tree. So you have this giant swath of forest that's just, hey. The, this is literally the kingdom of the ants. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what it. Well, and even and even um, th- th- there does seem to be too a special kind of relationship between plants and and, and bugs or, or or insects. Because we, I mean, we could even probably devote an entire episode just to bees, right? Like, cause oh like, god, and yeah. and just like the ecological collapse that we're facing because like bees are dying off like hive collapse is a thing um and and all and all all of these other conditions are um turning so that colonies or hives can't live and so and so that's just it it's like uh that not to get too hippy dippy, but like the not get hippy dippy like i i, I think yeah. this episode really lends itself to hippy dippiness mm-hmm. because like 
I think you're kind of touching at it, but as, as, as advanced as we think we are, we're not. We're pieces of shit to destroy the environment that we're in. Essentially, humans are yeah. deer, and we need to aspire yeah. to be ants. Because right, ants yeah. will just change it, but, like, they still grew a damn tree. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and still finding way, like, yeah, like, we just, we just got to reconnect to nature, man. And, like, yeah, man. look to the bee. Look to the ant. Let's just do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Look so to the grasshopper, yeah. man, and get high and play tunes, and then leech off the ant later on. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, it's cool. You got a spare bed I could sleep on, man, or even like a futon be cool, man. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's kind of funny. Now that I think about it, like <laughs> the hippie is much more the, the this again sort of like stereotypical hippie is much more the grasshopper, like. Hey man, you got a got a spare cigarette I could bum off you? <laughs> because Josh, what's the euphemism for weed, grass, and what a hippie smoke? That's right. There They're it is. The devil's lettuce. Bam, bam, <laughs> bam, bam. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Can we make bam, bam the new catchphrase for the show? I kind of like. I know that. it was horned up for mayhem, but I don't know. Bam, bam, <laughs> bam, bam. Is kinda, I don't know. Bam, bam. bam. <laughs> We're gonna try it, listeners. If you like it, let us know. If you hate yeah. it, let us know. We'll uh, we'll we'll spin up a new poll on Twitter for either get horned up for na- for, for mayhem or bam bam, and uh, whatever the people will decide, that's what that's what we'll follow. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Um, I don't know how you're doing there, Mark, but um, I'm about ready to get into uh, fruit smash, hard seltzer. Uh, numero dos, uh, pink lemonade. Pink lemonade, made with, made with real lemon juice and natural flavors. All right, there we go. Um, yep, that's pink lemonade. There you go. If they use natural lemon juice, what do you reckon the pink flavor was? Ooh, well, they have a they have a cockatoo. Um, in roller skates on the can. Hopefully, it's not that. That'd be kind of weird. I hope it is that. If that's that, I'm gonna buy you one. When's the next time oh, I'm gonna says... get juiced cockatoo? <laughs> yeah, I, I hate to dispel the magic already, um, but it says raspberry juice, so that's probably where the where the pink is coming from. But Ooh. I know, I know, lame. Um, well, using well, my own wizardly powers, I uh, cast a new uh, Bloody Mary from nothing spell. So here we go. Perfect. Yeah, those are great. Those are great, man. Um, okay, so I have, um, yeah, I have like one, one and a half, maybe uh, more, more topics to 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 kind of dive into. Did you have something else that you were? It, it, in fact, and it sounded like it sounded like, if I remember, I, I put a pin into something about giant uh, dragonflies, and you said, well, yeah, "Hold on, Josh. I suppose we, I suppose we can get into that." Yeah. Okay. Um, or, or 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 whatever else you have. No, it's. I think it's. I, I think it's apropos. You just got done discussing Aesop, and I think that now we can get into this, because it wouldn't be a Two Wizards podcast if I didn't read, read from some weird ass book that I got on Amazon. <laughs> We're just like hitting all of the marks. Like this is the benchmarkiest episode ever. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about Greek stuff. Talk about Japanese. Talk about history. Mark reads from a book. Yeah. Just. It's all there. <laughs> we we need to find something about Lovecraft and then yeah. um and then do yeah. silly voices. That... And sing a song. We got to sing a song. Yeah. Got to say oh, you you just wait. <laughs> Cuz I have that I have that all planned out. <laughs> oh, 
also just I gotta get this out of my system or I'm gonna dwell on it. When you said the ta- have you heard the tale of the eagle and the beetle? I was gonna say you mean the story of when John Lennon beat the shit out of Don Henley in California, but whatever. I, I don't think that happened. I don't know if that happened. I don't know if anybody from the Beatles and the Eagles ever like fought, but I like to think they did. Hey, Ringo, they're talking mad shit about you, bro. Oh, really? What do they think once I once I give a little rat a tat tat on the head? <laughs> Just so I can do my liver puddly in accident. Yeah. Ringo, you've got not you've not got a prayer in the world. Let me take him out for you. It's me, John Lennon. Don't yeah. worry, I've got it. Ah, hey, it's me, Don Henley. I don't know how Don Henley talks, but this is how Don Henley talks in Mark's mind. You need to just yeah. uh, take it easy, bro. That does it. I'm sick of your dumb puns and your shitty music. Your secretary rock, motherfucker. Uh. <laughs> Righto. <laughs> Get him, lads. Yeah. Come on. Got to go. Okay. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> we could do that for like 20 more minutes. So we should we should focus here. Focus. Three here. weeks from now, after Paul Bunyan versus Pecos Bill, it's going to be the Beatles versus the Eagles. I'll work on my Eagles accents. You work on your Beatles accents. But I think it'd be fun if we mixed and matched. So you take two Beatles, I'll take two Beatles. And I'll take yeah. two Eagles, you take two Eagles. And here we go. Here we go. And we're off. <laughs> So yeah, I think the first place we can start on this is from a, it's from a super cool book called Cowboys and Saurians, Dinosaurs and Prehistoric mm. Beasts Seen by the Pioneers by John LeMay, who lives in New Mexico, and I hope against hope he hears this. I bought all your books, Mr. LeMay, and I'm a huge fan. Thank you, sir. His That's stuff awesome. Is insane. That's awesome. Yeah, it just yeah. compiles. Um, so what this is is a compilation, it, not unlike uh, Monsters in Print that I often reference, but mm-hmm. this is like the same idea, but just out west. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. And you you mentioned um, dragonflies here. And or I guess we, we, we mentioned, we talked about them a little bit. So the Carboniferous was 300-ish million years ago. We, right. we, we, we can call it here. None of this shit exists anymore. It's, it, it's all gone. Yeah. Except for stuff like, you know, the coelacanth mm-hmm. and stuff like horsetails and, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And all the stuff that's still alive from 420 million years ago that right. remains largely unchanged. And that's where, and this is for a future episode, but I get real horned up for the idea that some of this stuff might have carried over. Yeah. But anyway, uh, according to a uh, an, uh, Crow Scout named Goes Ahead, he was a scout for uh, George Custer's 7th Cavalry, and he survived the Battle of Little Bighorn, which I think is kind of fun. Oh, shoot. That's yeah, awesome. Because, yeah, he had enough uh, wherewithal to nope the fuck out of there. Yeah, no, smart, smart guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> But he, yeah, he told it in in that instance he knew not to go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, that was a terrible joke. Podcast over and recording. <laughs> he rolled upon his back. He rolled upon the back. <laughs> God, I'd love to do that one day. Just get in a fight. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast over. <laughs> it's got to be when we're like nine hundred episodes deep and like yeah, millions yeah. of downloads per episode, and that's mm-hmm. it. Podcast over. Fuck we're you. Done. And then we don't put anything out for two weeks, and everyone's like, "Yeah, oh my god, you guys, two wizards, what happened? What happened? <laughs> Holy shit, Mark got really anyway, mad sorry, at Josh's butt. No, dude, you're good. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so this guy goes ahead. Um, he went on a vision quest. A vision quest was an, is a native tradition where you go without food and water for several days, culminating into you walking out into nature and tripping nuts because you're dehydrated and starving to death. Not starving to death, mm-hmm. but you got the munchies real bad, like. 
Yeah. And one of the images that manifested before him was a, a winged snake with four wings. Oh, shoot. Now, that doesn't sound like anything, and it didn't mean anything to me until I read this note that John LeMay had written about that this sounds an awful lot like a dragonfly. And, and, the dragonfly is a symbol in a lot of, a na- of, in a lot of Native American cultures. And it, it kind of represents, like, intelligence and healing and stuff, but it was, a, it, it was very specifically, this guy goes ahead's like, it was his sort of, like, spirit animal totem, if you want to call it that. And do you know yeah. why it was a spirit animal totem, Josh? I'll tell you why. Because he had a mummified body of one that he had, like, sewn <gasps> beads to. No way. Yes. And again, That's I can't so cool. I can't verify this. But according to John LeMay's account, he had a body of I I'm, I'm sure it was an Omega Nura. I don't know what it was. Probably Omega Nura that is just still alive, chilling out in the you know, the super hot swamps of South Dakota, because that's totally a thing we all know about, right? <laughs> but he had it and he uncovered it and he had encased it in beadwork. And he would carry it around with him and it was straight up a dragonfly, by all accounts. That's so awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, he used it in his own personal medicine and his own magic making until he decided to get good with God, and then he cast it into the Little Bighorn River because it represented a symbol of idolatry and pagan ritualism. Yeah, kind of pagan. And fuck right. you, Christ. Right. Fuck you, Christians. Right. What if this dude had a fucking Meganira, Josh? That would... Oh, my God. That, well, because well, even, like... Oh, man. Yeah, I, 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 just, I just can't even... I just can't even. I just can't. You even. can't. <laughs> I'm like a prime number other than two. I just can't even. Yeah, I. That's a bad joke. God we can damn cut it. that out. We, Podcast we over again. Podcast over again. Double over. <laughs> <laughs> so, so real quick, I just want to. I, I want to read this bit here. So this mm-hmm. is after the Battle of the Little Bighorn. After he's received his totem of the dragonfly through his uh, vision quest. And this is from uh, John LeMay. After the battle, goes ahead, went to Squaw Butte, a pine-covered ridge, and climbed a tree. High in the treetops, he carved his mark, an image of a strange creature he carried with him always. Nearly 100 years later, in in 1973, historian William Boys went to the battlefield with Alma Snell, goes ahead's granddaughter. Boy has found Hmm. the tree and found the mark. Boys describes the mark, described the work as a careful carving about 15 to 18 inches long, must have taken hours to make. Boys compares it to both a winged serpent and a dragonfly. I mean, I don't know. There it I think is. it's cool. It, yeah. it even goes on to say that this was about the scale of a typical Meganira, between fifteen and eighteen inches. Which, yeah, I and I and I mean maybe not. Like in the same way that we, you know, somebody would draw like there was not a quarter sized fly that existed in Greece, but we painted a quarter sized right. fly on our shield to like get up in the mm-hmm. grill of the enemy, but. It I, is, I don't know. It, it, it seems it's so silly, a bit but of it's a coincidence. Yeah. yeah, yeah, not silly. Silly is the wrong word, but it is a coincidence. Well, and and as that old uh, chestnut has it, there there are no coincidences. And um, yeah, yeah. I oh man, that. And and and, and I, I'm I'm even kind of reminded of. Even though we aren't even doing like like cryptid insects, because I'm sure that would be an, an, an entire other episode. Um, but it is there's just something about this idea of like a larger insect or something that was a remnant from like millions of years ago 
uh, but but yet has still survived somehow. And wouldn't that wouldn't that just be cool? Wouldn't that just be cool to like have yeah have giant butterflies or giant dragonflies around? Ah, that'd be awesome. That'd just be so cool. It would be until like. I mean, dragonflies. I don't know. Have you ever been bit by a dragonfly? That shit hurts. I I have and those not. are like three inches. So imagine right. eight, an, an eighteen-inch one. That's good. You're gonna lose a finger, bud. Yeah, I think. I, and and that's a fair point. The grandparents on my dad's side, they had a farm up in Wisconsin uh-huh. that we, we visited. I think a handful of times when I was a little kid. Where your brother killed the catfish, or killed yes. all the uh, tilapia. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, uh, yeah, I would, I would, um, I think if I remember right, I think I got bit by a horse fly once Ooh, horse when I was up there and yeah, that, that was pretty rough. Um, we also, it, it, and we hadn't even really talked about this too. Um, uh, but yeah, also still kind of like tromping around through the, through the farm, all the wilderness. Um, cause, cause they had some woods and all that. Um, yeah, definitely came back with some ticks sometime. Mm-hmm. Did not mm-hmm. get, did not get Lyme, Lyme disease, but, uh, but yeah, so, so that I to, to your point, and to be fair, it's not that insects are always buddy buddy with humans, and if they can get a free lunch off of uh, sucking our blood or uh, biting us or our livestock or whatever, then yeah, they'll totally do that too. Yeah, absolutely. I also have a quick update, Josh. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is important because I learned this lesson last week about learning how to read. When I cast my uh, Bloody Mary from Nothing spell, I use liquid smoke and not Worcestershire. Ooh. That, yeah. that would be different. <laughs> it would is be different uh, if you were expecting, yeah. Yeah, it's almost undrinkable, but hey, it's a sin to waste booze, so. <laughs> yeah, it's just the... Oh, it's, it's like if it's you ever an, wanted like a rib parfait. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just in recognition of goes away and the campfire and all that sure that's 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 something something smoke signal (laughs) me on to the next topic which is a quick call back to our fearsome critters of the lumberwoods episode josh which i hope you remember because it was only two weeks ago and i feel bad calling it a comeback because it's not a comeback if it was literally within two weeks right it it was just more like a hey remember that (laughs) however However. I got I, I got another I got another fun one for you, mm-hmm. and this comes from John Lemay's Southerners and Saurians, Swamp Monsters, Lizard Men, and Other Curious Creatures of the Old South. Oh, jeez! And this is a thing called the uh, Everus Borough Galley Napper. Oh wow! Yeah. All right. So, and this is from John Lemay on the banks of the Cape Fear River. Once sat a town called Everus Borough which could turn into a particularly wild place whenever timber rafters pass through. Remember, timber rafters. Okay. 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 In the mid-1850s, 13 of the town's 14 buildings sold liquor. Wow. That's a place with a certain set of priorities. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Getting groovy. Getting groovy, as they say. In one such establishment resides the corpse of a monster mosquito hung from the rafters. Insects, of course, don't have don't have skeletons, and it was really just a skeleton of a large bird with a beak cover, made out of. <laughs> try that again. With a beak carved from bone to replace the needle. <laughs> That's awesome. Tales of this giant mosquito li- flourished throughout the area. However, 
However, while this one is very clearly fake because bugs don't have bones, they have a chitinous exoskeleton, mm-hmm. according to Tuscarora Native American legend, uh, North Carolina is the birthplace of the mosquito. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, all right. So the first kind of mosquito is called the Roteo that sprang from underneath the grounds of the Neus River. Mm. A man-sized mosquito was recorded by the Toscora chief Elias Johnson in the 19th century, where he wrote, It flew about with vast wings, making loud noise, with a stinger, and whomsoever it lighted, it sucked out all the blood and killed them. Many warriors were destroyed in this way, and all attempts to subdue it were in vain. Holy so cow. the natives chased this monster all the way to New York State. Oh, jeez. Where a warrior named, and I'm really sorry for this one, Tar Tar Ren Yawagun chased the creature all to the Great Lakes and killed it with an arrow, and from its bot and from its blood spawned smaller mosquitoes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I I mean I guess because because it's um correct me if I'm wrong, but it's but it's only the female mosquito who actually like does the blood sucking because she's like oh yeah I think to... I think that's right. And so maybe, yeah, maybe uh, just, just this this man-sized mosquito was just saving up brood after brood after brood <laughs> um, and having to feed. And then once when she's finally killed and, and, and bursts open, then, yeah, mosquitoes go go all, all over. Which actually, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this. Um, my older brother, this was two or three summers um, for the city of Alamosa, uh, Jake did some kind of seasonal work uh, driving the mosquito fogging truck around town. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, because, yeah, this was like mid-2000s and like we would get cases of West Nile virus um, in the in the valley there. Uh, and, and, and so, yeah, like Jake, he I even forget how he stumbled into this job. But no, like um, every night they would send out like two or three trucks with this kind of like vaporizer that would send this like chemical out into the air um just to kind of like yeah try to keep the numbers low uh for for mosquitoes they would always try to go out around you know kind of dusk evening um when most people are inside but you know maybe sometimes there are kids still playing outside or whatever um and uh jake was telling me one time he was driving through a neighborhood and there was like a, you know, like a grade school kid, like seven, eight, nine years old, whatever. Um, and as the truck is coming, this kid sees the truck. And instead of like running inside to like get out of it, like it's, it's so like you have to, in, you have to inhale a bunch of the chemical before it makes you sick. Like clearly they do all sorts of testing. Right, um, right. Stuff like that. Uh, but instead of like even just running inside or like running to the backyard, this kid just does the whole like pick up the bottom of his shirt and make a little make a little face mask out of <laughs> out of it <laughs> as 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 the mosquito uh, truck is driving through and Jake's just like all right buddy good job. <laughs> also, why are you out at ten thirty at night? Go home. Yeah, go 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 home. Go inside. Um, it's too late. So they would also, at, at various points along the Rio Grande, they would set up these mosquito traps. Because okay. like they would they would trap a bunch, and then essentially, and I know this sounds kind of gruesome, um, yeah, they, they would trap a bunch of mosquitoes that, that night, and then kind of like blend them up, and then that that puree is what they would do to test for West Nile virus. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jake was telling somebody like, oh yeah, I was check I, I had to go check the traps last night. And this person was like, 
why would you trap mosquitoes? That doesn't make any sense. And like Jake couldn't help himself. He said like, well, we trap them and then we put a little tag on them so that as they're flying around, we can track them through GPS and say like, oh, okay, they hear they're over in this spot. <laughs> so, and it just like blew this person's mind like, wait, what? <laughs> what? But, um, huh? How does that, how does that work? It's like, yeah, you just put a little microchip on a mosquito and then like they like tag dolphins and things to watch the migration pass. We do the same thing with mosquitoes. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And just yeah. real, real fun, real fun, real quick here yeah. in my research. Yeah. I did find out there is such a thing as the uh, galley nipper, Josh. Oh, no way. Yeah, it's a species of mosquito known as the... Oh, my God. Fuck you, Latin. So... <laughs> So, Rophora ciliata, and it's a species of large mosquito, indigenous to the United States, and it is particularly aggressive to not only humans and animals, but also aggressive to other mosquito species, where it will just kill and eat those two. Oh, shoot. They're larger, they're bigger, and apparently they have super fuzzy legs, and that grosses me out. I like fuzzy (laughs) on, like, the beetles, but fuzzy mosquitoes weirds me out. Fuzzy bees are cute. I like fuzzy bumblebees. A big old fat fuzzy bumblebee butt sticking out of a flower. I think that's (laughs) This might be my softest episode ever, too, Josh, because, like, Mm -hmm. this is where I reveal that, like, while I'm doing trim, that's where you, like, prepare the vegetables for the next morning. You, like, cut them up and, you know, wrap the band around them and throw them in water to clean them. Mm -hmm. Um especially in organics and hey listeners produce corner with mark didn't mean to do this one but we're gonna do it there's a shitload of bugs in organic produce guys it's really gross but uh one of the big common ones are ladybugs and spiders both of which i have a huge affinity and a weird affection for so i will Mm -hmm. fish them out of the water and like take them outside i am super soft especially when it comes to ladybugs and spiders there i said it i love fuzzy things i love cute little fuzzy things and their little fucking toes i'm sorry let's go (laughs) No, 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 that's, that is, that, that, that is, that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly I fine. am going to be vulnerable in the month of May is what I'm doing. <laughs> I blame the Bloody Mary. That, 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 that could be too. They're just so sweet. And like the little bees with their little dumb faces. I just, I love them, man. I don't know. But fuck wasps. Yeah, fuck wasps. So I had uh, at one point um, in our, in our second vehicle, we kind of got, had this, have this old uh, Chevy Malibu. Uh, and we don't drive it a whole lot, um, as listeners will cl- quickly find out. Because uh, one summer I found out, it's like, okay, well, the Mrs. Wizard, she has our uh, primary vehicle. She's running some errands, but I got to run to the bank or whatever. Um, turns out uh, some wasps built a nest in one of the side mirrors. Oh, Jesus. And so, and so, yeah, like, as I'm, like, going into the, as, as I'm, like, trying to run the sound, I was like, man, there's a bunch of wasps around here. And I closed the door. And, and it was even on the driver's side. So I closed the door. And, like, 20 wasps come screaming out of the side mirror. And I'm like, oh, oh shit. Fuck. <laughs> oh. And so what I eventually had to do, and I felt so clever about this, but what I eventually had to do was I, uh, yeah, like, like, got into our a car and drove out of town um but but it was at a stoplight i was at a stoplight before i was going to get on a on a county road mm-hmm. and i opened my driver's side door and i slam it shut and like again the like 20 25 wasps fly out and then i just book it i like I like peel off of the <laughs> peel out from the stop sign leaving all these wasps in, in the dust and i drive you know like two or three miles out of town um 
and I had my little knife, and so I like kind of cut out. I, I, I cut out the wasp nest because I wanted to make sure there wasn't any still in there. Right. Um, so yeah, I had this whole plan of like, ha suckers, I'm gonna evict you out of your house. Um, and, and so yeah, like, well, or even um, you know, you were talking about your grandma using the vacuum to to, to get moths and things. There's there's a weird kind of like subculture on YouTube about like wasp nest removal or like beehive removal videos where it's like okay here's this you know family uh reporting that they had a bunch of wasps in their uh attic so let's go up there and they're taking out like five pound ten pound hornet's nests because yeah just like any sort of area that they can find shelter from the elements they're gonna build a nest in there and they're awful and they don't do anything so fuck wasps yeah no fuck wasps i hate wasps yeah, garbage, garbage. Uh, you know what? I think this is a good time to break into this. Um, okay, we talked about uh, at the beginning what you... What, wow, sorry. We talked about in the beginning what your favorite bug was. What's your least favorite? What do you hate? Ooh, yeah. Wasps are up there. Uh, earwigs? Fuck earwigs. Ooh, fuck earwigs. Yeah. Um, those are those are garbage. We actually, actually just a couple weeks ago, um, we had... And granted, it was like only two or three. It wasn't like a whole bunch. Um, but we had some, uh, these little things called house centipedes. Oh, yeah. And again, they're not like full on centipedes, but they're like, you know, maybe like an inch, inch and a half uh, long. And apparently our shower drain was a little backed up. Oh, and, no. And, and so, and so yeah, like I was like, okay, time, time for my shower. Um, and I turned the water on. And, uh, you know, two or three seconds, it's going down the drain, and then out pops a water centipede from the, like, shower drain. And I'm like, all right, fuck that. So <laughs> had to kill that guy. Um, <laughs> took my shower quickly. Um, the next day, went over to Lowe's to buy some drain cleaner. Um, and fortunately, that we haven't seen them since. Um, well, and then actually, to buy gasoline the other... and lighters to burn yeah. the fuck out of your pipes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and, and then honestly, one of the first instances um, was it was actually like the opposite. It was like, all right, it's time for bed. Let me brush my teeth. And I hear this kind of strange sound in the bathtub. Uh-huh. I'm like, okay, I wonder what that is. So move the shower curtain, curtain back. And it's sweet Quincy boy. Quincy boy is in the bathtub and he's like picking the legs off of a house centipede. He's like, look at this cool thing I found, Josh. This is this is awesome. Good, good um, boy, Quincy. And, and so, like, of course, I like scoop him out, and he's frustrated that I took him away from his new playmate, <laughs> from, from, from his new buddy. And, and so, yeah, like that's that's also been kind of our our cats aren't necessarily like mousers or anything, but if yeah, if there's like an ant or a spider or I guess a house centipede, they're they're pretty good about. Like torturing that thing slowly by taking it, taking leg by leg off of it, and then probably eventually eating it. Um. <laughs> Can I ruin your day? Uh, sure, let's do it. So I googled house centipedes because I wanted context because I wanted to make sure that like we're thinking of the same thing and we're not. Mm-hmm. But that's not the point. Uh, one of the number one answer or questions is though, should I kill house centipedes? And the number one answer from Business Insider is 
How centipedes are known for killing pests in your house that are completely unwelcome. They kill roaches, moths, flies, silverfish, and termites. House centipedes just want to go after the bugs. If you want to get rid, how, get rid of house centipedes for good, the trick is to get rid of the food they source on. So, think about that, buddy. Okay. And if he's in your bathtub, I bet he's eating silverfish. That could be. I guess I'm. I guess I'm. I'm not. I'm not out. saying anything against you or your home. I'm just saying, like, yeah. Because yeah, I don't well, know. I don't know if you experienced this in Alamosa, but every house I've lived in has has had silverfish. They're just like oh, thick down here, hmm. but I don't know. Well, I guess I guess we'll um, uh, lesson learned because yeah, I'm actually looking at BobVila.com and he's recommending a similar kind of thing. Uh, so uh, uh, yeah, Vila. I guess I... <laughs> look, man, the search engine will provide what it provides. But um... I just no, goddamn Bob Vila. Oh man, '90s kids remember. <laughs> Yeah, 90s, yeah. 90s. Oh, okay, well, now I know, and I'll know to uh, maybe keep an eye out for some other things. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I, I just, I saw that, yeah. and I was like, oh, God. Yeah. No, that, 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 so so I shared at least some of my least favorite insects. What are some of yours, Mark? I hate centipedes. I think yeah. they're horrifying. And mm-hmm. All right, you, you talked, again, going back to the beginning of the episode, you talked about how we weren't going to get too gross about it, creepy crawly, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um centipedes are super uh aggressive especially the larger ones in the tropics there's yeah. stories of like soldiers in vietnam being attacked by large centipedes that could be up to a foot long oh, and the ones that really 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 scare okay so number one centipedes here's our second fun word of the day after pedipalps it's uh toxicognaths and that's the weird giant stingers in the front of their mouth right yeah and those are filled with poison and apparently getting bit by a giant centipede is the same as getting like bit by a, a set of burning pokers or like mm. tongs unimaginable pain, I guess. But mm. so number one, toxicognats, number two centipedes like to find dead things and eat the flesh out of them. And they like to dig holes into it and then eat their way back out of it, I guess. <laughs> but so there's also, and this has never been substantiated, but again, human fear is irrational and mine are super irrational. There's a certain species of centipede that lives in Hawaii that lives in the sand and needs basically just beach garbage. But okay. So like what's to stop a beach from crawling into my butthole when I'm sitting on the beach? I know yeah. that that's the dumbest idea ever, but it is my greatest irrational fear. Fuck centipedes. You stay out of my butthole centipedes. And I think that does kind of point to, like, we were talking about, again, some of the rosier, some of the nicer qualities of all these insects. But, and at the same time, there is that sort of sometimes irrational, but then sometimes rational fear of, like, earwigs crawling into ears or centipedes crawling into buttholes. Um, There's that whole thing about, like, oh, people eat an average of five spiders a year because they like to go into warm, moist places. But, but, well, and even that's kind of kind of a lot of bullshit well too, i've heard that like that one's complete bullshit but yes yeah yeah, yeah. right but 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 there, but there is a point but being... then but then once upon a time in high school i remember i were very clearly i was sleeping soundly and i felt a tickle on my face and i woke up and i saw a spider on like the bridge of my nose and so i just executed that thing with extreme prejudice broke yeah. my nose and gave myself a black eye <laughs> so no, like and I hope that uh, people listening to this, and even I'm kind of feeling it right now, like even just talking about it, I like kind of feel the creepy crawlies. I'm and getting itchy. itchy. And, 
Right. And so so with that in mind, I, I do have, I guess, one sort of last set of um, uh, kind of topics prepared. Um, and, and maybe we can dive into that now. Yeah. Um, let's make I, it did, worse. Let's let, let's make it worse. So I already gave like one kind of warning towards the beginning. So here's here's your second second uh, heads up, listeners. Uh, I might get a little even more creepy crawly grossy uh, here. We'll say that if you make it through this, we should have done this yes. before, Josh. Mm, if you mm. make it through this, you're gonna get a banana sticker. Oh man, yeah. If maybe you we can like listen to this and made it through and didn't get grossed out. Hit us up on Twitter. I'll mail you a banana sticker. But yeah, so I I I don't want to necessarily call this section when bugs attack because it's not even that they're that they're attacking, but maybe like when bugs invade, when bugs migrate. Um, when bugs when they, take when they, back that which is already theirs. When bugs take back that which is already theirs. I think that's even better. So, so yeah, I have uh, just a handful because I'm sure I could find more and more. But I just have a handful of kind of stories I want to go into real quick. And, and these are these are all within recent memory, within living memory. Uh, but one that I want to talk about uh, fairly recently was um, in Las Vegas, Nevada, July 2019. So just uh, about two years ago. And there was... Uh, sort of mass migration of pallid winged grasshoppers. Okay. And so this is a report from uh, KTNV local news that, yeah, just uh, millions upon millions of these grasshoppers um, just swarmed the Las Vegas Strip. Um, And as you can imagine, you know, things like moths and things like... um, uh, even just other bugs, they're attracted to really bright lights, especially right. at nighttime, right? Well, what do you see in Vegas? Like, everything's lit up. And so there were just, yeah, just millions upon millions of grasshoppers just hanging Holy out in shit, uh, Vegas. Really? Yeah. And um, and so uh, this, this uh, uh, news report, I won't read all of it, but I'll read the highlights. Um, and so this is from uh, Jeff Knight who is apparently the state entomologist with the Nevada Department of Agriculture. Um, and he said when this happened in 2019, um, the, the, the grasshopper that just came in the last couple of days to Las Vegas is the pallid winged grasshopper. Uh, and, and he says they're not new. He remembers swarms flying this far north several times since the 1960s. Uh, quote, the ones that started down probably in Laughlin or Southern Nevada or even Arizona are the ones that are moving up to central Nevada. So a couple hundred miles, uh, he said. Um, and then uh, he also noted that when these desert dwellers migrate north, Knight says it's usually after a wetter than average winter or spring. Uh, quote, mm. when we have a wet winter or spring, these things build up. A lot of times when populations get too big, it triggers the insects to move to find new areas. Perhaps the viewers or listeners will be happy that this is just an audio podcast and we're not uh, doing any video because otherwise I would totally cut in YouTube clips of this grasshopper swarm. And they're just everywhere. They're just covering the buildings. They're, there's one video I saw of like what looks like a construction worker or maybe like a maybe like a security guy with kind of a neon vest. And this dude has like 30 grasshoppers just hanging out on him. Um <laughs> So, so yeah, that, that was one recently. Um, here's another one. Here's another quick story that happened in Romania in November 2014. And um, instead of grasshoppers or locusts or anything like that, 
Do you know what bug sort of swarmed this little village in Western Romania, Mark? Oh, Western Romania, it's a bug. It's got to be something guess. awful because it's Middle Europe, so something terrible. I don't know, ticks? Ladybugs. Oh, how cute. They had, okay. a, they had, they had a swarm of ladybugs. So yeah, November 2014. Uh, this is a, a write-up from ABC News. Experts there told RomaniaInsider.com that the summer rainfall season may be the reason for the invasion. John Losey, an associate professor for the Department of Entomology at Cornell University, says lush environments often attract many insects, including plant lice called aphids, which ladybugs prey on. Yep. Uh, quote, a good year for plants is a good year for aphids, and a good year for aphids is a good year for ladybugs, end quote, he told ABC News. And so here we see like a similar kind of thing, like an, unseason- an unseasonably wet, um, yeah, like summer or season before, makes the plants go crazy, makes the aphids go crazy, and then uh, ladybugs, of course, eat aphids. Uh, I-, I think I saw a little video of this too, and there was one clip of a sweet Romanian grandmother taking a broom to again like hundreds of ladybugs just on her front porch and her like front door (laughs) and uh and so yeah even something cute like ladybugs there's there's just a bunch of them uh i mean too much uh, of a good thing is just that right right and and so that's just it too so they're not always they're not always necessarily nasty or 500 bunny rabbits would get like way overwhelming way too quick (laughs) Right, right. All the teeny whiskers, and right, and all and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, and then and then there's um, one one more that I want to get into just right quick, and this is yeah. more specifically there in southern Colorado. Um, oh. and I don't and, and I don't know if you've ever seen this event, Mark, or if you kind of know about it, but uh, in sort of southern southeastern Colorado, there is a yearly migration of tarantulas, and there's again. Tens or hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions. I don't know. I haven't counted. This is another little write-up here that says, uh, Beginning in late August, these uh, creepy crawlies can be seen making their way from one side of Highway 109 in Colorado to the other uh, as they use both touch and vibration to find mates in nearby burrows. So this is all about, this is all about like mating season for these tarantulas. They all, all uh, the male tarantulas, they all do this great migration and uh, the Mrs. Wizard has seen this in person. She's actually seen, she, she thought it, there was, um, uh, she was driving with some friends and thought it was just a bunch of mice uh, oh running, uh, yeah, oh running a, 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 oh across God. this highway. Oh, oh God. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Did you look cool. it up? Okay. No, I didn't. No, just, just that image. She thought it was a bunch of mice. And so like, yeah. you know how mice move, but it's not mice. It's fucking spiders. And you think that, okay, cool. Yeah. No, it's fine. Fuzzy. Keep going. Okay, yeah, 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 go, 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 it's fine. And so, and so, yeah, she was driving along, and she, and then she realized, like, oh, no, this, is, and, and everybody that she would tell this story to, they would disbelieve her. they said say, like, oh, yeah, right, like, tarantulas. She's like, no, I swear to God. So, yeah, just, like, this kind of, you were talking about your milk dancing, like, just this, like, kind of pulsating brown mass of just tarantulas. Um, so, but a but uh, apparently uh, the the nearest kind of city that I think kind of leans into this madness yeah. is La Junta in um, Colorado. And they and they do they, they, they kind of make a deal out of it. They have they make it a point where if you want to come watch this thing, um, 
you 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 can post up in La Junta and and um, watch it. And uh, they even say to, to to learn more about this must see event, uh, including ideal v- viewing locations. Uh, they encourage you to contact the Comanche National Grassland Res- Resource Office, um, either their website or through phone, or you can just even email the city of La Junta, and they'll let you know. Uh, between late August through early October, um, especially mid-September, that's when you can see this mm, enormous tarantula gross. migration. It's not. It's so cool. It's cool. No, it's the yeah. same idea. It's just... I would be less inclined. Like, we are entranced by it, the it, idea it, of, like, the monarch butterfly migration from America to Mexico and back. And we're, we're, we're like, enraptured by that. And it's this right. weird great chain of... Again, mm-hmm. we've talked about this before, but, like, mm-hmm. the great chain of being with, like, life and everything... The idea of, of all these tarantulas, though, is, I don't know. Just, I have that image in my mind. She thought they were mice. Like, duh. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a, there is a, yeah, like, it does get a little. It's a bear. It it, it's a, a line, bear. right? That's it, what it, it is. It's like, there's something um, about it. When you kind of think about it like that. Well, and. I think, um, you know, as we're maybe nearing the end, we, we, we still have a couple bits left. Um, I am actually, and, and as we were kind of floating this idea about this episode, uh, I am actually almost perfectly situated to experience a, a, a completely different sort of mass emergence of bugs um, here in central Ohio. And I know I was telling you a little bit about this, Mark. I don't know if you've kind of done any extra looking up, but I do want to spend the next, or maybe even the last part here, talking about this phenomenon that's that's going to be happening, honestly, probably any day now. Uh, probably as soon as yeah, this, this episode is, gets this is published. unique to you, like yeah, it's it, and it's going to happen, and it's this thing um, called Brood X. All right. Um, or maybe Brood Ten, with the X being the Roman numeral. I don't know. I I've seen both, but. Brood X just sounds cooler. It does. Um, yeah. Man, you want to talk about going into like rabbit holes or <laughs> insect holes. Like I did a deep dive onto Brood X. This is a group of cicadas that emerge and kind of like the tarantulas. They It's their like kind of mating season. Right. But it's every 17 years. Okay. So in, instead of a yearly tarantula m- migration, these, these cicadas, they breed... And then they burrow underground, and then they just chill. They're just there for 17 years. And something in their little buggy brains or their buggy uh, circadian rhythms, like, like, like whatever, like something something happens that when the and, – and, and this is how they know when to emerge. It's when the ground temperature reaches a certain level. I, I want to say it's like 64 degrees Celsius. Okay. When the like when the ambient temperature, however far down they're they're uh, buried, when that gets warm enough, something some chemical process clicks off, and they're like, "Oh, all right, it's time to fuck," um, and so they all burrow <laughs> out, and it's crazy. And and so this this um, kind of behavior, it's seen in other species. It's called predator satiation. Okay. Where we're just going to, because birds and other things eat cicadas, so we're just going to overwhelm them. Like, everybody hold, hold, hold. Okay, now, fuck. And then, like, oh. everyone emerge, like, like <laughs> okay, yeah. all of the cicadas, all of the cicadas emerge at the same time. And sure, a lot of them are going to get picked off by sparrows or, or whatever. 
but enough of them will survive that they'll breed, a new generation will happen, they'll barrow back underground, and then the cycle continues in another 17 years. And it's so weird. And there are other broods that have different cycles that are some that are like 10-year cycles or 7-year cycles or 11. But this brood X is 17. And it just so happened that this Colorado boy who wanted to go to grad school, he's going to get to experience this. Fucking um, A. In, in, yeah, it, it is crazy. It's crazy. So, uh, yeah, we, we have one for 2021. 17 years earlier was 2004. Um, this is also weird too. Um, not that I'm saying this is all about me, but it's kind of, so 2004, I was a junior in, in high school. Right. Okay, fair enough. 17 years before that, the previous one, two cycles back was 1987. That's my birth year. Huh. So that's kind of, that's weird. I'm, I'm 34. So like 17 year cycles in my life match up with brood X. It's like that, a weird, like a uh, Chinese Zodiac deal where like, it's the years. It is. You're the year of the <laughs> cicada no, totally. and that's dope as shit, Josh. No, that is, that is pretty dope. And this goes back. So just subtract 17 years, 1917, 1953, 1936, all the way back. And I'm just taking this from the Wikipedia page. Listeners go check it out. Mark, you go check it out too. Yeah. Uh, the, the first known description of brood x we have evidence of all the way back to 1715 holy shit really that was that was 18 cycles ago 18 cycles of brood x 1715 and uh america wasn't even a thing yeah this predates this predates the formation of our country so may 9th 1715 uh there's an entry in the journal of reverend Andreas Sandel, the pastor of Philadelphia's Gloria Day Swedish Lutheran Church, where he writes this down. Um, and uh, uh, that's the first uh, written evidence that, that we have of this. Um, uh, a little bit later on, in 1737, botanist John Bartram wrote a letter that described the periodicity of this brood's emergence and his 19... 19- 32 observations of the insects insertion of their eggs into the small branches of trees northwest of Philadelphia. Cause, and that's the other thing too. They're, they're specifically by old trees uh, mm. where, where these things. Well, pop. yeah, it has to be right. Like, yeah. And so 1715 plus 17 gets us to 1732. Um, and then this same guy Bartram later recorded in greater detail within two manuscripts, the broods may uh, 1749 emergence. So this guy, he, he and, and not to say that like life expectancy was like crazy short there, but this guy noted this thing, waited 17 years, and then talked about it again. Wrote, wrote a letter again, and then also with the 1749 appearance, um, we have a uh, pair calm who's a Swedish naturalist visiting Pennsylvania and New Jersey, uh, observed in late May an emergence of brood X, and uh, he published in a Swedish academic journal uh, this account. Uh, and I can read it with or without a Swedish accent, whatever you prefer. I mean, go for broke. Too okay. okay. Again, wouldn't be too weird okay. if we See, didn't yeah, do an exactly. offensive accent. Get it off your buddy. Okay. The general opinion is that these insects appear in these fantastic numbers in every seventeenth year. Meanwhile, except for an occasional one which may appear in the summer, they remain underground. There is considerable evidence that these insects appear every 17th year in Pennsylvania. And so, huh. and so, so, yeah, it's like Pennsylvania, Ohio, 
um, a little bit of West Virginia. So it's it, it's kind of Midwest and a little East. It, it's not just in 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 Ohio, but um, but yeah. So like, that's also crazy for me to think about. Like this is a thing that's been happening for hundreds of years, and we've been writing about it for hundreds of years. And seventeen years. Why seventeen? That's so weird. That is weird. Yeah. It's it it, it it's. It's a thing. The Wikipedia page goes on. It talks about some of the other kind of early broods. But this is this is also kind of funny. This is also kind of funny to me. We, we also talked about like hitting all the checkboxes for a Two Wizards episode. Yeah. And, and one of them was singing. Oh, God damn there it. Really? A, all right. No, do it. All right. Go there, ahead. Yeah. There is, there is a song. There is a song about Brood X written by Bob Dylan. Oh, shit. <laughs> the story goes that Bob Dylan... In 1970, so three cycles back, he was graduating. And so, like, during his graduation ceremony, um, their their Brood X had come out. Because, again, it's like May, early, like late spring, early summer. And so Bob Dylan wrote this song, Day of the Locusts, okay. that talks about him getting his diploma and the locusts are singing and... Listeners, you can go to YouTube. You can. It's already going to be own. the we'll, outro we'll, credit song. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, we we will already we'll, we'll find that there too. Um, but also maybe just for a little bit of fun, if it weren't enough that I got to do my Swedish accent, maybe I'll get to do my Bob Dylan um, for maybe just like the first the first verse here okay. of Day of the Locusts. Uh, it, it, and and again, the like the song is about him at a graduation ceremony as this is going on. Um, oh, the benches were stained with tears and perspiration. The birdies were flying from tree to tree. There was little to say. There was no conversation. As I stepped to the stage to pick up my degree. And the locusts sang in the distance. Yeah, the locusts sang such a sweet melody. Oh, the locusts sang off in the distance. Yeah, the locusts sang. And they were singing for me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And it's a dumb little song. Yeah, I looked at the lyrics. It's awful. Yeah, it's, it is. It's bad. It's yeah, bad. and the um, locust sang in the distance. Yeah, the locust <laughs> sang such a sweet melody. Oh, God. Oh, man. I don't think, sadly, I don't think this one has a harmonica part to it. Because that would be the well, only thing that made it. Well, then it's not a real Bob it, Dylan song. Then it's not a Bob this was again 1970 you know he's maybe hadn't quite <laughs> it's so dumb uh but also one last thing it's oh but again, shit. like oh, i was shit. saying but okay wait 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 sorry okay, okay i don't know doesn't matter probably not reading too much into it i don't care okay so the 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 the, 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 the last uh lyric or the last verse before the chorus mm-hmm. i put down my robe i'm not doing this bob dylan i put down my robe okay, i, I picked up my diploma took hold of my sweetheart and away we did drive straight for the hills the black hills of dakota sure was glad to get out of there alive and where was goes ahead from josh south dakota dakota right it's it's see it's a it's a it's a buggy circle and time is a buggy flat circle dragonflies and locusts oh the megan oh do i hear you <laughs> and the plight of the red man makes me wish i was dead man but the ladybird beetle does sing in the quiet places between the tarantulas sting. Insert harmonica. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, crap, crappy heart. So and and there, maybe I should know when to end on a high note. But there also is that. There's also a funny little. Um, th- that is not the only. We will never end on a high note. We will always end, give a true. false ending, and then talk for yeah. twenty extra minutes. The so two and twenty extra minutes. The day yeah. that it starts is bullshit. Fair, fair. Fair dinkum. Um, but but also, so I was also amazed that that is not the only piece of sort of pop culture that Brood X has influenced. Because two cycles earlier, in 1936, Ogden Nash, the poet, wrote a poem about Brood X. And it took me a while to find this down because the New Yorker wanted me to buy a subscription and fuck you. Oh my god, um, fuck but you! I, but I found you it. can't profit off articles from a hundred years ago, you pieces of shit. Yeah, or maybe so, not a hundred, so but like it. I went through the same thing. Yeah, yeah close. Like... Yeah. So 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 I so I got onto um, the Internet Archive and some of their old stuff, and I found it in a book. I found it in a in a collected work of, of Ogden Nash here. And I won't read the whole thing. It's kind of long, and honestly, it's kind of a crappy poem. It kind of sucks. <laughs> Fuck you, Ogden Nash. Um, yeah, the the rhyme schemes all over the place. The meter is atrocious, um, but it's but it's basically maybe I'll just read the last last couple of things. But but, but this poem is called "Locust Lovers' Attention." So maybe I'll read like the first part and then the last little part here to to see what he's getting at here. So this is yeah. Ogden Nash, okay. nineteen thirty six, five cycles ago. Still writing about Brood X, and this is Locust Lover's attention. And it starts, My attention has been recently focused upon the 17-year locust. This is the year when the 17-year locusts are here. Which is the chief reason my attention has been focused upon the 17-year locust? And you can tell, it's like, all right, we're already off to a bad start. <laughs> I mean, good on him, though. He's trying. Like, you can tell he's kind of he's, trying. He's, he, he's trying. And so he continues a little more. Overhead, underfoot, they abound. And they have been 17 years in the ground. For 17 years, they were immune to politics and class war and capital taunts and labor taunts. And now they have come out like billions of insect debutantes. <laughs> He's a lazy rapper. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Because they think, after such a long wait, why they are entitled to a rich and handsome mate. <laughs> and it goes on, and he's, so like, again, like, really reaching. Lyric. I bet it makes better sense, right? It, it, it could be. And he's really, he's really reaching here. He throws out H.G. Wells and Jules Verne. He throws out Woodrow Wilson trying to make the League of Nations. It's 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 a stretch. It's a bit of a stretch. But he finally ends with this. And this is maybe like, so also kind of put ourselves back in this mindset. Like it's not that long after the Great War. Uh, this was written in 1936. Like things are starting to heat up once again in Europe and all that. Getting tight, uh, getting but, spicy. And so Ogden Nash ends his poem, Locust Lover's Attention, with this. Dear Locusts, my sympathy for you is intense. Because by the time you get adjusted, 17 years later, end parentheses, because by the time you get adjusted, you will be defunct, leaving nothing behind you but a lot of descendants who will in turn be defunct, 
just as they get adjusted 17 years hence. Hmm. And so it's it ends on like, okay, we're starting off with a poem that's really silly and goofy and is just, yeah, just like really grasping for any sort of rhyme. And then at the end, it's a really dark and nihilistic <laughs> kind of gut punch there. Where it's like, all right, locusts, get out here and breed and have your offspring because you you found yourself in this strange new world that you didn't know when you uh, first buried yourself 17 years ago. And yeah, that's what's going to happen to your kids and their kids after them and their kids after them <laughs> until it's until it's 2021 and uh, Josh of Two Wizards Podcast will get to sort of cover the emergence of, of Brood X once more. But 2021 versus 2004, that's an insane jump. That which like again, we, like, we maybe, got the first so, generation of iPhone in two thousand four, like right? Yeah, yeah. This is this is a Brood X generation that doesn't know Google. The The Apprentice <laughs> was still on TV, and now you can the watch that and go, yeah, that's gonna be our president. Shut shut the fuck the up. Shut the fuck up. No, 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 it was. <laughs> and so maybe in that maybe I was. Maybe my old English teacher habits were coming to me too quickly, and I was uh, judging, judging the quality. But because oh yeah, no, it's the a shit poem. poem. I looked is, it up, but the, the rhyme yeah, scheme is all yeah. over the place. But I appreciate his like rhymes within the rhyme, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like he's not so much like yeah, yeah, A B A is he's like A one to A three to B one to B two. Like yeah. yeah, yeah. So so he's so so he's doing some things there. But greatest um, poet of our age, but yeah. calling it. Yeah, greatest poet, or certainly greatest poet of Brood X, um, him and him and Bob Dylan. Him and Bobby, yes. Yeah. So, uh, so, 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 yeah, Mark. That was that was what all I have kind of kind of for bugs and and um, ones that they they haven't poked out just yet because last week it was kind of cold and and rainy, so so the soil temperature didn't get a chance to rise up. But there are websites tracking this now. There are websites saying like, oh, ground temperature is sixty two degrees and it has to get up to sixty four. Or whatever. Yeah. Um. And so and so yeah. Probably any day. So go well, buy and, a probe thermometer even, like that you would use for smoking, yeah. and just like bury mm-hmm. it like three feet underground, and you can yeah. track this actively, Josh. Well, and and we have like a bunch of old trees in our neighborhood because that's where they burrow. They, they burrow by so. So yeah, like it's Dude, it's, gonna, gonna it's gonna be it. it's it's gonna be in my backyard, and they're good, and they're and they're cicadas, so they're making all the screeching noises. I'm gonna have to find cotton balls for the cats and like stuff those in their ears. Um, Your cats are gonna get so it's, sick eating bugs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it, so it's so yeah. Like I will, I my pledge to the two wizards podcasting audience is I will document, I will track Brood X 2021 watch. I'll do little live updates because I think in some places, I think in some places um, they're already sprouting. They haven't quite come to central Ohio yet, but once they do, uh, you will be the first to know and you will be able to find that out by following us on our various social media accounts. Mark, what are some of those accounts? Before I do that, I want to do this. I asked you at the beginning, we're talking about what you would face the, the, the Legion, the number of. We're mm-hmm. fighting bugs, Josh. What do you want to fight? You got We'll we'll call it. You got to fight a hundred of these things, and they all weigh fifty pounds. Ooh, and and they all weigh. Oh, so geez. figure that's like two point five tons, I think. If I'm doing my math right, probably not. But yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, something. Oh man. So I one hundred of these bugs, each is... weighing in at fifty pounds. What are you fighting? 
so I'm going to do a do another kind of cycle back um, to earlier in, in this episode. I want to fight something that as soon as I kill it, I can also like roast it up and eat it afterwards to regain my strength. Mm. So I'm 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 gonna say like grasshoppers or cicadas or something like that. Okay. Because 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 also with with, with brood X, I'm I'm seeing all these articles about. Oh, you can you can uh, grab some of these brood X cicadas and roast them up. And I'm like, one, you're you're just adding another predator to this like survival strategy, and then if you do that enough, then you'll kill brood X, and then 17 years from now, in 20, what would that be, 38? Yeah, it'll be like the kid was like, mommy, what happened to brood X? You know, a bunch of millennials got on their blogs and told everybody to eat them, <laughs> so no more brood X. <laughs> Thanks, 2021. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I, I I would do grasshoppers and then uh, have grasshopper steaks okay, afterwards cool. to, to regain my strength. I'm lazy and I'm going with aphids. I imagine they're crazy easy to kill even if they're 50 pounds. They've got to be like cattle, mm-hmm. essentially. Like, mm-hmm. like, give me just a pickaxe and the, I can go murder a thousand of these fucking things in a day. Yeah, or the uh, bugalo... Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the, not unlike yeah. the bugalo. Yeah, just I. Not unlike the I imagine these things at fifty pounds would be the size of like a large-ish dog, and so yeah, fine. I can just drive a pickaxe through their skull. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. that's a yeah, lazy perfect. answer, but like as we talked about, you can't kill them. But yeah, right. Like no, these are bugs. They're better than us. They just can't get bigger than us. So that's why we're better than they are. But they're the domin- dominating force of. At least, like, moving, living life with mushrooms being the, you know, yeah. the other half of it. In they plants, probably have. Yeah, it's... Yeah, they... I'm, I'm, I'm sure they have some sort of, like, uh, alliance worked out between bugs and... Uh, we figured it mushrooms. out! Ants and beetles! They already fucking got it! Like, mm-hmm. thank God yeah. the, yeah. um, uh, the... Oh, what what's it called? The C word for ants. Um. Oh, uh... Cordyceps. Thank uh, God the cordyceps fungus. Oh, yeah is like actively murdering the ants and not like working alongside them. But how long before the cordyceps fungus decides like, nah, cool, we're gonna make the ants life better to kill the humans. Fuck them, like, yeah, it's happening, it's coming. Anyway, listeners, what were your favorite bugs? What are your least favorite bugs? What do you wanna take? Uh, you have to kill three, you gotta kill like 37 tons of bug. How are you gonna do it? You can do that, you can tell us by going to two wizards pod c1 on twitter two wizards podcast at gmail.com you can tell me personally at marky stardust uh plaid barbarian at twitter for josh or you can find us on instagram at two wizards podcast and you can find me on instagram at uh, uh great greek buffalo and one of these days i will remember all of these social media things without fucking up no that's that's quite all right and and, and yes uh, uh listeners look for Maybe not daily updates, because I don't want to commit to that. But look for regular updates, maybe I'll say. Listeners, look forward to two hours on the hour updates. Every hour, or every two hours on the hour from Josh, he's going to be there on the streets, in the ground. He's got his thermometer probe. He's checking. He's going to let you know, guys. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and, and those will be at Plaid Barbarian on Twitter. Mark. <laughs> Another great episode in the bag, in the bug, as it were. Bugs in my bag. In the bag, one. Ants in my pants. <laughs> in the bag. Oh, shit. Let's get the hell out of oh, here. Let's get hey, the hell out of here. Hey, right. let's, hey. Uh, let's bug out, buddy. Whoa. Uh-huh. And, and, 
ladies and gentlemen, playing us out, Bob Dylan. Uh, whatever dumb song that is. Uh, Day of the Locust by Bob Dylan. <laughs> it's in here already. Day of the Locust. Good night, guys. By Bob Dylan. Take care. Bam, bam. Bam, bam. He rolled upon his back, and after that, I killed them all!